Welcome back to Season 2 of TK's A Brigade. I am your host, TK, and we have been on a three-part series with my man, Rock Armstrong. I met Rock on Facebook a while back, and uh, we started talking, and I found out that he's actually living in my hometown, Cedar Rapids. What's even more crazy is he grew up in Loveland, so we have a lot of stories to share, and we have been talking about that over the last uh, two parts of this series. We are in the final part, so please tune in as we continue this conversation with Rock here on TK's A Brigade. Just for just to understand, um, I, I, I just want to ask you this. Your name is Rock. That's right. Is that yes. your name? Yeah. Okay, Rock. That's awesome. I love that. My name is Neil Armstrong, but my mom named me Rock. I was named... I found out the whole story about why I was named Rock later on, but on paper, I'm Neil Armstrong, believe it or not. That's dope. Okay, so real like a, re- a quick recap. So give me like a few minutes, if you would, and I mean, if you don't feel comfortable or you don't want to share, that's fine, but I, I'd like to know kind of like your, uh, like maybe in a quick nutshell, like you came up in Loveland, right? Yep. I, so I grew, so I was born in Canada, but then I lived in Loveland from the time I was like a year old <laughs> until I was... Uh, eight, no, until I was about 20. I mean, there was a couple times I moved away to Oregon for like a month, some dumb stuff. But I, I, I grew up in Loveland. I went to BF Kitchen Elementary School. Then I went to Walt Clark. And then I graduated from Thompson Valley High School. Then I moved up to Estes Park and worked and lived at the Stanley Hotel with a few friends of mine. And that was a quite a fun, interesting, drug-infested uh, summer. And then I got then I got basically heavy into drugs and left in, in 1998 after I got, uh, after the gospel got a hold of me. So okay, so that so so your time in high school, like that was a pretty. I mean, can you? Will you? Are you will? Are you willing to share kind of how like your life was in high school? Like, what was that like for you? You know, it was. I. It's funny because I had a couple of close friends, but I was very well versatile in all the different clubs and and, and groups. Like I was in student council, but I sold drugs. <laughs> but I also could hang out with different um, subsets of people. I guess you could say. But I've always kind of had a knack for academics. And so I was able, up until my senior year, I was able to actually pull together pretty decent through um, high school. But I I actually, I I do kind of miss high school. I mean, I didn't mind it so bad. I think Thompson Valley was a terrible place. Um, You know, but like any other school, it's school. Right, right, right. And, and okay, so like now, um, and again, if I get too personal, bro, you can, you know, you don't have to tell me this. Like, but I, do you have a big family? Do you have a little family? Like, what, what, I mean, do you have brothers and sisters? Like, I have two brothers and a sister, and we all came out here in Colorado, so. So I have, uh, I, so my mom and my stepdad are who raised me. My mom and stepdad married when I was eight. He was art the owner of arts tv that was on lincoln avenue for many many years in loveland oh yeah he actually just retired the building and and now it's a sprouts i believe he sold he sold the land over there and, and sprouts bought it or whoever owns sprouts and so like i lived on hp hill and with my mom my sister and uh and my stepdad and um yeah so that's that's pretty much where we were at and then you know i have a grandmother that lived in fort collins and then grandparents that lived in uh, uh, Durango as well, as, you know, because I'm a step family, so I have multiple. But then I have another set of gra- grandparents that are actually in Loveland currently in their 90s at Good Samaritan. And so you grew up right by Schmidt's Bakery then? Yes. Oh. Yep. And, and it used to be a bowling alley. There used to be a bowling alley actually up there. Okay. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You said H.P. Hill. That It just it reminds me because... Uh, so, you know, so much has changed. Like when, um, you know, when I first moved to Colorado, like I started out in Windsor uh, and then I came to Loveland 
and I was living right across the street from Loveland Lake, uh, right there on Taft okay. Avenue. And, uh, yeah. and for 10 years I bounced, in, uh, I lived in 23 different houses, uh, wow. and bet- from Loveland to Greeley, to Windsor, to LaPorte, to Millican and Johnstown, to Fort Collins. I lived everywhere, like in this Northern wow. area. Um, and so it's crazy because I'm, I'm listening to you, to you tell this story and, you know, you were saying how, you know, in high school you were, you were kind of, um, you were a jack of trades when it came to like the different, like the different types of clicks and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, I was. See, I was too. Uh, what's crazy is I went to I went to Fort Collins High when I came out to Colorado. I started, so I was going to high school back in Iowa, and then when we moved oh, yeah. to Colorado, uh, Colorado high school was tenth grade and uh, through senior year, but back home it yep. was freshman year. So we were okay. in. I was in high school up until April of '95, and then we came back to Colorado, or we came to Colorado. And I went back to junior high school, and I went to Bolts in Fort Collins, and then they built, they finished building the new Fort Collins High School. So the first year, '95, I I was a sophomore in high school, and bro, when you say academics, so I had broken my arm. We, my dad and my little brother and I had uh, went on a bike trip around Lake Michigan up in Chicago, and I yeah. broke my left arm, and I'm dominantly left-handed. And so uh, when I got back home that summer, I, my arm was in a cast and I started, you know, going to school and I grew up in the church, bro. I grew up and you know, I went to church seven days a week. Uh, the church I went to is out on Blairs Ferry Road. Uh, do you know, um, do you know where the First Assembly of God is out on Blairs Ferry Road? Yeah, yeah, I do. So if you go a little, uh, if you go a little the other direction away from um, um, uh, 380, and I can't. I, I, it, what's funny is I could, if it was in Colorado, I could tell you like go west towards the mountains. But it, it, but if you right, go up, right. if you go up the hill a little bit, there's a church called the River of Life Ministries, and I that was my church, man. And then well, so oh, was yeah. First Assembly, but River of Life was my church. But I went to school there. I went to church there. Oh. My my best friend, one of my best friends, his dad was our senior pastor, Francis Frangipan. Um, so I was immersed in in you know in in the in the church life. And so coming to Colorado, like, you know, like you were saying, like you were in high school. So when did you go? Okay, let, let me let me stop for my rant for a second and ask you this. When did you get uh, introduced to the gospel? Well, I would say that I was part of a youth group at the Disciples of Christ Church there on, on Lincoln. Um, Sue Bishop was the youth leader there. Okay. And she, she, she was the original seed planter for me. And so what I did was not, I mean, I kind of heard about it and I knew that it was there, but it didn't really, the gospel didn't grasp a hold of me until 1998 when I, uh, when, when I got in trouble with the law, uh, I was, I was driving under the influence of meth and I, I was already seeking God and I was having these, I was studying the Bible. I was living, I was homeless, bro. I was over there on St. Louis in this storage shelter and I was living in there in the winter. And I mean, I was a mess, dude. I was seriously a mess. The drugs had really messed my mind up. And honestly, when I got arrested and taken in, that was probably the best thing that happened to me because then uh, I, I got out of uh, jail and my and I went back to my, my parents' house. And, like, remember, we, we used to get the reporter Herald, and, you know, back when people actually read the newspaper, oh, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. And I remember getting it, and oh, a bunch of my friends got busted out that, like, that next day or the day after or something. And so, by the grace of God, I was able to have, like, 
started that path right before that happened. In fact, I late years later I heard there was a rumor going around that I was that I ratted on everyone. Oh wow! Which honestly, which which is a terrible stigma to have in that in that oh, culture, yeah. but at the same time it probably saved me from uh, sinking back into it. Right. You know what you I just mean? Just avoided those um, people then. So so yeah, I mean it was a blessing in disguise. I mean you you hate being you know that kind of label. That's a terrible label to have in that world. Now I don't care. People can think whatever they want. But yeah, yeah it was it was pretty amazing. That was, I, I'm, yeah, that would have been 1997 is when I got arrested. But I think the gospel really got a hold of me right around 1998-ish. And see, what's crazy is that was when I went like pretty much full rebellion. Because, yeah. oh yeah, man. Like I said, bro, I, I, when I say that I went to church seven days a week, bro, I went to school at church. And then, you know, Wednesday night uh, youth group. Saturday night youth group, uh, Sunday yeah. church, and we go to church at nine in the morning until two in the afternoon, and then back to school. Um, you know, we would go to church. Like, That's a lot. Oh, dude! During the summer, like we had, um, we did uh, like musicals, right? So even when there was no school, we were there rehearsing for the musicals, and so you know, getting inundated with, you know, everything church. And then, you know, my parents split up. My, my my parents got a divorce, and my mom and my brothers and sister and I, we came to Colorado because of all my mom's family out here. Okay. Um, and, you know, I didn't, up until then, you know, I didn't even know. I mean, I, I'd heard about marijuana. I, you know, my parents never really drank a lot. So, uh, you know, I didn't really see uh, that side of it. But then I come to Colorado, and, bro, I'm telling you, it was like standing <laughs> outside of a, a, of a house and everything outside is like very proper, very um, you know strict, very this way. And then someone's like, "Hey, come on in!" Like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, right? Yes. And when I say like, "Come on in, bro," I in '97, I, I, I you know that's why I asked you about Sean because Sean uh, and I and a group of guys that um, we all worked together at the Perkins on 34 in Loveland um, oh, yeah. started a band called Switchback. Okay. And Switchback was uh, an original like rockabilly southern rock style band. And so I had started growing my hair long and and I was starting to get into that more of a rebellious mindset. And you know, and I started smoking, you know, weed. I wasn't a big drinker because I found out in my like right around my 16th, 17th year that my, you know, my uncles and my grandfather on my mom's side were all, you know, pretty decent alcoholics, and I never really liked the feeling of it. So I was oh, like, oh, they're getting, that's handy. yeah, yeah, exactly. And well, and that, and I, you know, I, I like to have control and I, I, I admit this, right. I like to be in the control mindset. And so whenever I would drink, I felt like I was losing control. And so yeah. not that I'm a control freak, but just saying like, I, it, it was the marijuana was always something like, you know, Hey, you know, get stoned and you know, like you can be happy and everything. And then started getting introduced to cocaine and, you know, and acid um, you know, I've done every, probably every, you know, major drug except for I've never banged heroin or you know, I've never banged a drug. But, yeah. but my uncles, you know, they lived that lifestyle for me because my uncles went from prominent business owners in Loveland and Fort Collins. Uh, my one uncle, who uh, he went from, like I said, a prominent business owner to he was banging coke, and he was a hundred G's in debt because of his addiction. Yeah. And he completely Happy. fell. Oh, dude, completely fell off the end and. It was, but it was a, it was a wake up call for me right around 2001 because I had been living this very rebellious life and, you know, 
God said to me in uh, in in 1999, I had gotten um, indicted for selling marijuana to an undercover cop in Loveland, and I was looking at two years of prison time, like not jail, prison time. Insane. And I remember I was sitting in our house in Laporte, uh, and I was and I was sitting there, and I remember hearing the Lord speak to me audibly and say, He said, "You're going to go to prison," and I said, "What?" And right then I was watching a music video by DC Talk called "The Hard Way." I don't know if you've ever seen yeah. that. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. No, I don't know that specific one, but yeah, it's funny you brought up DC Talk. That's a, that's some old school stuff right there. Well, so they they filmed the video called "The Hard Way" in Ionia Prison in Detroit, Michigan, and yeah. and that's what the song is about, like the way you live your life and how you know some people have to learn life the hard way. But God said you're going to go to prison, and I was like, oh God, please don't send me to prison. Um, and and so five five uh, five years later. Um, I'm walking through the the church on in Loveland off of Monroe. Um, it's called Good Shepherd, over there yeah. over there by Boyd Lake. And yep. I'm walking through that church, and I, I bump into this cat. And this guy looks like a like he looks like a wise guy from like John Gotti's crew. Okay, he's got the slick back hair. He's got the Italian loafers, the leather jacket. Forget about it, right? And I never met this guy in my life. And he stops me and he says, "Hey, you're gonna go to prison." And I was like, "Excuse me." He said, you're going to go into prison. And I was like, why? He goes, you're going to go tell guys about Jesus in prison. Dude, that is awesome. Dude, he turns around and walks away, right? That afternoon, I get a phone call from my good friend, uh, rest in peace, uh, Phil Brewster. And he says, hey, uh, is this Travis? And I said, yeah. And he goes, hey, uh, I got your number from Bob. He was the sound guy at the church. Uh, and... Uh, you need to come over tonight because we're having a meeting for our next trip down to Ordway uh, in Pueblo to go to uh, to prison. And you need to come over tonight and learn what we're going to be doing because you're going to start doing ministry with us in prison. And he wasn't asking, bro. He was telling me. Dude, that is so freaking awesome, man, because God told you and you, and and it was true, but it wasn't how you thought it meant. No, I, I, I That's dude, amazing. I was in the midst when, 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 when the Lord told me that, I was in the midst of dealing with the felony convictions that I had against me, like I was, had I like, I had I not, uh, had I not been, or had I been 18 at the time of uh, of the crime, then I would have gone to prison. But That's because insane. I was a minor, the judge told the DA, you can't charge him as an adult. It's not a capital crime. It, you know, I mean, even now, dude, it was three quarters of a pound of weed. Like it wasn't even like, are you kidding me? Like I've. I've bagged up more more weed, you know, in one setting, working as a security guard at the dispensaries, in in one city, like in one city that I, dude, and then that whole amount, and they wanted to put me in prison for two years, you know, taxpayers paying five grand a month to feed me and house me, and here we are, you know, twenty years later. So, anyways, so here I am, two thousand and four, you know, and I started going to prison, but you know, I'm living in Loveland, bro, and you know. God's like, hey, this is what I have for you. This is the purpose of your life right now in this season is to go tell guys about Jesus. And when I say every type of criminal, the the white collar criminal to the murderer, bro, you know, to the cartel, the the, the cartel, um, there was guys in there that were part of the uh, uh, the Mexican cartel. You know what I mean? There were guys in there that were 
you know, that, that were Crips and Bloods and, you know, Sereños and folks and everything else, bro. And, you know, here I am thinking, oh, my life sucks because I have to go and tell guys about Jesus. And I, when I say it sucks, it not because I was sharing the gospel. It was because I'm like, oh, I have to be in prison to do it, right? Like I was being selfish yeah. in the beginning. And the Lord really woke me up and was like, Trav, don't you realize that some of these guys have never heard the gospel? They've never heard the truth about their life being important. And it's your job to go and share them with that love and not go in there and be like, oh, you murdered somebody? Oh, man, you're you're condemned to death. Like you, Because it says that the wages of sin is death, right? Yep. So, but we're not called to go. And I think, you know, to kind of get back to what we started this conversation about was that, you know, we have a society mindset right now where you're not able to truly speak what you either feel or believe that contradicts the general narrative. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yep. And so I find it interesting. And, you know, I'm a blunt person, bro. I, I, I'm overtly blunt at times. And yet I find myself being um, uh, cautious about things that I say. Uh, you know, we'll be out at a restaurant, you know, and, you know, like I said, I've been saved. You know, I remember getting saved when I was five. You said that the gospel got a hold of you when you in 98. So you were what, like 1920 about that time? Yep. Yep. OK, so you've been saved for about, what, 25 years almost now? Yep. Yep, with some falling out and coming back, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, sure. And, you know, it's very possible I was saved before that because I did find a journal about my relationship with Jesus from when I was in, like, junior high school. But at the same time, I, I honestly don't remember. When I saw it, I was actually surprised. So there was something there, but the, the one I remember the most was in 1997, 1998, yeah. And that was prolific for your life, which is dope because, yeah. you know, when you, like you said, you sit down with a, with the homeless guy down there on in, you know, downtown Cedar Rapids and, you know, his perception of these people coming out of church is one thing. And you're like, bro, but every one of those people, bro, like, you know, they, they might have a facade that you perceive it to be. But I promise you, if you were to break it down, they're broken, they're hurting. You know, they're the perfection idea is 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 such a it's such a fallacy. That idea yeah, of, of people that are wealthy, they're perfect or their life yeah. is just everything is just grand. But, yep. but dude, some of the most, I've, you know, I've worked with billionaires, bro. And I, I can be honest when I say this, I've never, I've never been around somebody who was truly like wealthy, wealthy. That was, um, when I say truly wealthy, I mean like owns multiple private jets. Um, you know what I mean? Is like in the billions and just being around that person, like the, the, uh, the chemistry that they give off is that they're in chains, they're shackled. You know, yeah. by whatever, whether it's the money, whether it's the notoriety, whatever. But I've been around some of the poorest people in the world, bro. And the love and compassion that those people can exude, it's crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the Nigerians, man. When I was down in Oklahoma, there was people actually uh, on missions to the United States from my, from Nigeria. Wow. And what, what, I, what I found out from some of the people that go back and visit, like some of the, the U.S. citizens would go back and visit. And they would come back and say, you know what? These kids have a have a stick and a rock and that's their toy and they're so much happier than our kids and that was back before phones right i can't even imagine you know now but i mean yeah like they were coming over here on missions and uh yeah it it i sometimes i feel like god even favors the poor you know i almost i mean i'm not saying that he does but it seems like it sometimes because there's so much more happiness in that country than 
you know, as far as the kids and stuff that they witness versus what we have over here with these, you know, everyone's got their Xboxes and whatever it is that we have out here that we do that that keeps our minds off of God, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, so. it's, and it's crazy, man. But so now, like, so you've been in Cedar Rapids, you said seven years, bro. Like, yeah. Um, have you been going to the same church like the whole time or have you moved around? Like, what's uh, what's the deal? There? I've, I've been at Veritas. And, well, so I, I had an incident. Uh, I, I started drinking. Um, for about a good solid decade of me being out here, and I and, and by the grace of God, I made it through the College of Engineering at the University of Iowa. Go but Hawks. then in 2017, I had an incident uh, where I was it was a heavy duty charge due to drinking, and I almost spent some time in prison. And I involved assault with a deadly weapon on police officers. Oh, now, mind you, I didn't, I didn't walk into the the police station with an Uzi or anything. I, I like literally ran up on my driveway pretty hard while I was drinking. And there happened to be police officers there that I that I don't don't remember seeing at the time, but anyway, so that was the last time I had any alcohol, and so it was shortly after that that I went back. And I thought, you know what, something needs to change, and I started going to Veritas Church, and yeah, and that's when I and and, and a lot of people here's where a lot of people miss it. They 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 think that God is just between them and that's it, but the Bible's very clear about about meeting together and 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 the one anothering and and. God says, love, love him and love people. And part of that love is our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and so what sold me on a church was when, you know, some churches do communion every Sunday and they do at Veritas. But what was different for me is I was going up to get my, you know, communion and a couple of guys grabbed me. They said, Hey, come over and pray with us for communion. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. And it was what I was looking for. And now I'm still friends with those guys. They're all ex drug addicts and disasters. Like I was, we're just a group of vagabonds that go in there every sunday and then we we end up hanging out and they, they've become some of my best friends and we help each other through business and keep each other accountable for sin and it's just been really an, an awesome experience there and so now i'm actually through the church i'm i'm taking an accredited course to get my master's program and my master's degree i should say in uh in biblical theology so i'm working on that right now and that's all thanks to a god and be the church that that i'm a part of out here amen man that's that's awesome yeah. bro and uh, you know i've really enjoyed talking to with you today man and just learning about yeah. you and your life man and it, it's funny because you know we can go through life you know the grocery store or you know go to the mall or you know you know go uh you know go to a baseball game or something and there's people that go you know that move around us but if we were to ever, we, we were to ever stop and just kind of, uh, you know, have a conversation with somebody, you know, the layers of that person's life, you know, it starts yeah. to you start to unlayer those things, and you start to realize, you know what, man, when when the devil gets you isolated and starts to get you believing something that's not true, right, and you yeah. you were convinced because. You know, he can, he has a way of convincing you to believe that nobody else is going through what you're going through. You're the only person. And you're like, you're, you're right. I must be the only person. So I'm like, I was telling you this morning, bro, like I was struggling. I've been struggling these last few weeks, man, uh, with depression and, you know, that, that lens of suicide um, resurfaced. And when I, when I say resurfaced, like I've never, I've never contemplated like actually committing suicide, but what, what God showed me in 2016 was, and what the enemy, like, I think the Lord allowed the enemy to do this, but I, I completely understood in that season why someone or anyone that has been convinced enough to take their own life, why they would, why they could be convinced to do that. 
Oof, yeah. Um, yeah, that's heavy. And not that I, like I said, just so we're clear, not that I've ever uh, contemplated suicide, but like understanding, like wow, that that feeling. It's like you, you know when you stand in the sun and you can just feel it beat on you. Yes. And, and you you stand there and you know growing up in Iowa, like bro, you know, and coming to Colorado, like that that humidity back home. That heat, you know, growing up, I got used to it. But you stand out there in the sun, and you just feel it basically baking you, like cooking you, right? Yes. And so that feeling, but you endure it, right? You take it, and you're like, okay, I'm going to have a great tan at the end of the day, right? But right now, mm -hmm. I, I have to endure this pain of getting cooked by the sun. And so that's kind of how I, the best way I can describe how I felt in 16 about that, uh, that perspective of suicide was... I could feel such intensity about like that depression, that hopelessness. And so when you say you sit with a homeless guy and and you say, my life's not that bad. Like I'm not even homeless, right? How, how can it be, how, how can it be that bad? You know, and we look at these women that say, you know, I, I want to make a choice for someone that's growing inside of me. I want to make that choice. Cause we talked about that earlier too. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I want to make a choice for them and, and so I, I think what, you know, the word of the day, like you said it, uh, you know, kind of a ways back when we first started talking today was we're called to love people. We're called to share with people the truth. And I think doing that means that we share with people our experiences and how Christ saved us and how Christ can do the same for somebody instead of saying, OK, well, this is what the Bible says. I'm going to stand over here with the gavel and I'm going to find everything in your life that's not perfect or sinful, and I'm going to point that out. That's not what the Bible says. Yeah, that's the wrong order. Right. That's the wrong order. Right. And so we we are called to be uh, to be fishers of men. We're called to feed God's sheep. We're, we're called to go out and love on the people that don't know the truth. And you know what? When when we do that and we share that love and we're we have that compassion, and people can see that in us, right? It, we don't need we don't need to have this grandiose speech to get people to convert to the truth. We just gotta we gotta our lives have to reflect that, right? And I think you know, someone like you who says, "Hey, man, I grew up this way. I got you know heavily into drugs. I got you know I, I was doing this. You know I was really just messed up." And then you know what? God said, "Hey, I got something better for you, bro. Here, check this out." And yeah. you made a conscious decision. Even though, dude, I've backslid. I'm not gonna lie, I, I, bro. I am. I'll put both hands in the air. I've backslid a few times, but I do know that grace is sufficient. And you know, when when you fall and you get up, you know, it says that uh, it says his mercies are renewed every morning. Lamentations 3:23 says that. So you know, you go to bed, you wake up, and, and you know that mercy and that renewed spirit. And I'm not saying go out and you know, Paul says, you know, why do I? Why do I do the things I, I should not do and not do the things I should? Should I continue to sin? Absolutely not. But there's grace there, and I think there's growth when you truly understand the truth. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So, hey, bro. Um, bro, I was really good talking to you, man. Uh, I, I really yeah, enjoyed good to uh, talk to you too. getting uh, getting into uh, some real good conversation, man. And um, I'd love, man... I'm hoping to come back home uh, in the fall because Iowa plays Michigan uh, October 1st, and so oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been to I've been to two Michigan games. I've been to Ann Arbor and then one in Iowa City, 
But I love when Iowa plays Michigan at home, bro. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I rock. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And so I'd love maybe if, you know, if if I come back, I'd love to catch up, man, and maybe hang out, bro. That'd be cool. That would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And TK, I appreciate you calling, man. I hope that uh, I hope that your week is uh, is already getting better. You know what, bro? Again, um, like I say, you know, you get isolated and you start to get into a mindset and it's it's almost like a a, a record that skips. Right. And then someone comes in and takes the needle off the record and it's like, nah, 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 Trev, whack, 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 kind of smack you in the head, wake up, kind of like like, you know, uh, metaphorically. uh, And it's it's helpful because then I remember I'm reminded, hey, Trev. You've got a purpose, man. You've got you've got stuff to do. Let's go. So, yeah. But hey, man, right. I, I I gotta get going, brother. It was really All right, good. You take care, TK. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. Let's let's uh, let's stay in touch, man. And uh, you know, maybe we can uh, jump on another phone call here. Uh, you know, down the road here soon, and you know, we can just have some conversation about other stuff. All right, sounds good. All right, man. Well, hey, you have a blessed day, brother, and uh, I will talk to you soon. All right. All right. You take care. All right. Let Bye-bye. it, man.